Hey everyone, I am the Chosen One Legend here, as always joined by my co-host. Hi, I'm Kai, also known as Fasca Ryan. And welcome back to Bunch of Jokers, where we're here today to talk about Xenoblade Chronicles 3 Future Redeemed Story. We're finally getting there, it's happening. It's and been it's, a little while since it released, but you know. We're it here. has, we had like the, of course we had to beat the game at first, we had the whole direct happening, which was through a spanner in the works for our plans, but we're here now, and we'll get straight into this because there's a fair bit to unpack here, because we're covering the entire game's story in one discussion. Now, just to get this up front, of course, the obvious stuff, first of all, spoilers for Future Redeemed and every single thing Xenoblade, basically, so yeah. you probably knew that already, <laughs> but keep that in mind. Also, this is just focusing on the story specifically. We have already done a general discussion where we talked about the gameplay and the areas, and even a bit on like characters a bit more, so this is more so for the, the full plot, but if you missed out on that video, do check it out, it's still up on our channel, Bunch of Jokers, so yeah, go, go give that a watch first. But if you're sticking around, and you're ready, Kai, let's dive into this. <laughs> yeah, let's just go straight into it. Let's go for it. Here we go. So, the game starts off on what we saw, which is, of course, Shulk and Rex, in, in their cool, sort of, not full-on new designs, but their midway designs, confronting Alpha, or, as we knew at this point, just Alvis. And Zed's there, and it's nothing new from the trailers. But it's the perfect way to start the game on, okay, what the heck is going on here, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's just like such a big start, especially with the music kicking in as it slowly fades in mm. uh, to like the scene of the chaos. It's it's a very cool way of showing it. Yeah, straight away they start with the sort of um, Zanza-style music, which we're going to be hearing more of later down the line. Yes. But speaking of music, they do the full-on tourna thing where they start with like the battle theme panning over the entire world over in the forest where we first see Matthew and A fighting together against what they called an origin construct thing. And One of those. You've been playing too much Tears of the Kingdom with constructs. <laughs> You're right, I, I can't argue with that. <laughs> uh, but um, it's just such a great start. It's so Tawner-esque. Like, they knew what they were doing, but if it works, why change it, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, of course we've talked about the music already, but that battle theme kicking in as it shows you the entire world is just, like, great. And then as oh, it yeah. goes into that bit at the end where, you know, they're backed into sort of a nice-looking, like, sort of woodland area, they're being followed by an enemy that they're fighting off for the tutorial, it's like, oh, that's, that's yeah, that's literally Torna. <laughs> that is beat for beat what happens at the beginning of Torna. Yeah. So it's very cool <laughs> to see. And... It just gets straight into the, the A and Matthew dynamic, which, again, we talked about the characters specifically in our last discussion, but just the way that Matt is, is immediately that, you know, hot-headed one, goes in with the full punch, and A's yes. like, what the heck are you doing? Dial it back, mate, just dial it back. It's... <laughs> they immediately show you who these characters are, and one of my favourite dynamics in all of Xenoblade, like, just from the get-go... <laughs> Yeah, it's very cool how they do that. I mean, especially with the, the accent, which we've talked about in the past. And yeah. Like, I don't know, it all just meshes together very nicely going into it. Like, you already know that you're in for a good story based on that first interaction alone. Yeah, starts off very strong. And we sort of get the sort of idea with Matthew and A that they're 
looking for city survivors. This is after the city's been attacked, which is interesting because I, I almost wondered if like that would be a plot point in the game. But I guess it kind of makes sense to have that already have happened and part of the story as we're going to get to is sort of learning about what went down at the city. We, we're going to see sort of brief glimpses of it over the story and I, I'll, I'll save that to when we actually see the full thing. But um, it's an interesting way of sort of setting up the mystery of you know stuff has gone down at the city but it's all a bit in the air at the moment. Yeah, because that was one of the points of, of question was like, mm. we already kind of vaguely knew bits of the Founder's story based on their statues in the main game, as well as other bits of information, you know, like the city collapsing, etc. Yeah. Um, but we didn't know how exactly it would all fit together. And even when we saw that first trailer, we didn't know how it would work. So that, you know, immediately sets that tone of like, oh, the city destruction has already happened. And this is before the new city is made. It immediately sets that time zone, which I think is pretty cool of like, this is what happened between those two points. Yeah. Um, and then you know from then on out that anything involving the old city, Nile, um, Gondor, as he's called, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, all of that is flashbacks. So part of the story is told through that, but nothing that I feel like should have been in the main story. I think that they allocated what should be flashbacks very well. Yeah, and it's also interesting how you just start off with just Matthew and A together. You, It doesn't explain who A is, because of course that was one of the big mysteries of the game. It's, no, okay, yeah. here's this character. <laughs> they look like Alvis, kind of, and they've got the, the core crystal of Ontos, but who are they? And they're like, yeah, we're not going to tell you yet. We're just... <laughs> We're just going to start things off, and they're, and they're just there. <laughs> they dangle it in front of your face. They're like, oh, you want to know why this character looks like Alvis? We're not going to tell you. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> they just tease it for, like, half the game, and it's so cheeky. And I've got to give them credit, because, like, obviously if they tried explaining it off the bat, it wouldn't make sense. So, mm -hmm. you know, we'll, we'll get to it later down the line, obviously. But I, I think it makes sense why they held off on it. Um, and it's very funny, in a sense, to just, like, <laughs> have the player be perpetually uh, confused until then. Like, yeah. every party involved knows that the player is confused, and I think that's my favourite part of it. Exactly. And uh, But moving on from, sort of, Matthew and A's introduction... We then sort of, as they're looking for survivors, we run across uh, Glimmer and Nicole, who are, of course, our members of Agnes and Kevis in this game. We see them fighting immediately, and uh, Glimmer's bloodthirsty. I mean, <laughs> she's yeah, hunting him down. I thought she'd be kind of nice, but no, like, that that personality's all Mithra, you know? It's, it's... Yeah. It wow. Is, <laughs> it is interesting that, she, you know, of course, everyone sort of thought she looked like Pyra because of the red hair and that. She's probably Pyra's kid. But that personality, mm -hmm. just from Probably. the death glare she gives, that's 100% Mithra. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I do like it, though, in a sense, because you, you know, I feel like one thing that obviously they couldn't explore and show off too many times before it got old, but I, I mentioned how in the main game they never really showed off much battling between Agnes and Keves, even though that's meant to be one of the core components of the world. Yeah. We only saw it in very specific cutscenes or at the beginning of the game. And as we'll get onto, you know, right here, um, we get to see, like, a battle between the Keves and Agnes. I think that's really good. And I think that Glimmer works as a very good representation of what 
the soldiers are like you know they just they're just gonna fight and and that's what she emphasizes throughout a lot of the story so mm. i think it's cool how they did bring it back to that and it's not just crazy new stuff yeah they sort of brought it it was very reminiscent of the star of xenoblade Freeze main game and speaking of that yeah. When when Matthew rushes in and just stops them fighting, I mean that's a classic Guernica Vandom there. <laughs> I suppose in reverse technically because this is yeah. a prequel, but uh, you know he does the punch. The big we saw the, this in the, the trailer. Punch, the yeah. big, says the old fashioned scrap <laughs> and all that. It's <laughs> and I just love how when he's trying to break them up, he just demolishes them. Like he just picks up Glimmer from the yeah. back of her clothing and then chucks her at, at Nicole. <laughs> I think that did a really good job of setting the scene of just how powerful him and then shortly after A is. Like, yeah. You know, these aren't like random people that we're dealing with here who slowly get stronger. Like, no, they're both already badasses. <laughs> the ones who are growing are uh, Glimmer and Nicole. Yeah, and th this is only added when, you know, the Mobius then show up and apparently yeah. that they have like this reputation of like Mobius hunters or whatever they call them. And yeah. it's, it's is that what they call us? <laughs> it's just funny how nonchalant he is all about it. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess yeah. we are. All right, yeah, we're Mobius hunters. <laughs> or an Ace, <laughs> as A says, she doesn't recall hunting any Mobius. She just gets drawn into it because Matthew just rushes into mm. things. But uh, it's <laughs> like you say, it immediately shows off both how strong they are, but how nonchalant their dynamic is, despite their crazy strength. You know, they it's just natural yeah. to them. It's it's piece of cake. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's very cool to see. So I like how they just keep setting that up through this chapter. Um, mm. And and yeah, like the, the fight with the Mobius is cool. Um, I, I will say I was kind of confused with that fight because I, I looked at their designs and I tried to identify like which Mobius they were. Mm. And like their designs don't match the same ones from the, the ones that you fight in the main game, which I guess in hindsight makes a lot of sense considering they get killed. But like... I wish they kept the letters the same as the designs. That was a small gripe. But yeah. either way, it was very cool that we got to fight Mobius this early on and beating them cements just how strong this team is. Yeah, when A comes up behind one, and it's, it's, again, it's a shot we saw in the trailer, but just stabs right through the core. And even, yeah. I like that, you know, Glimmer isn't immediately on board with you. Like, Nicole is sort of quite a chill guy. He's, he's sort of just rolling with mm. it. But Glimmer actually straight up tries to stop you in the middle of it and nearly messes things up for Matthew, so it's... She takes a yeah. while to come round, which we're going to definitely get more of. Um, because, I mean, literally the next scene, after they finally defeated the Mobius, she's completely pissed off with him for saving her, because she was waiting for her homecoming. Yeah. Um, you know, she's clearly a full-on... An, an, Ag an Agnes Zealot, basically. And it's... Uh, mm -hmm. It's an interesting sort of to see that sort of dynamic turn around, because we see it slightly with with Mio and Noah and the gang ready to fight each other right at the beginning. But I don't think we see anyone yeah. quite that passionate about the war, in a sense. Which it makes sense they would be, it's all they've known. Yeah, I agree. that. You, I mean, they celebrate things, of course, but Glimmer was, like, really bummed out to be taken out of that loop. And uh, mm. everyone in the main cast of the main game kind of got used to it pretty quickly, because of probably because of the Ouroboros stuff that they saw in front of their eyes. Yeah. You know, I would imagine maybe that's why. But even still, yeah, like, Glimmer takes a very long time to warm up to it all. And, and considering the world, it makes sense. You know, it's fair enough. Yeah, it's, you know, it's all she's ever known, so she wants to get back to it, and she does. She, she does a Lego and runs off, but um, before we yeah. get straight to that bit, 
we do have a flashback. We sort of, these are sprinkled out throughout, in kind of weird spots almost, but um, it works. Mm-hmm. And uh, our first one is where we see uh, Matthew and Niall training with Gondor. And you actually get to play the fight, which is kind of cool. I, I wasn't really expecting that. Um, yeah, that's neat. But it's nice to actually see Gondor as a character, see he's sort of training, and the fact that I found it interesting that he's almost known as this like crazy guy for still focusing on Ouroboros power. Everyone else is sort of dealing mm-hmm. with the blades and that, but it's almost become something that people consider fanatics, basically, in the, the rest of the city. Yeah, like the future is now, old man, kind yeah. of stuff. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they don't see it as useful yet. As we know, I mean, Ouroboros' power is what ultimately is like the key to everything. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very cool thing that you do get to play through that, of course. Um it's very interesting how, of course, uh, Matthew's arts are based on um, Gondor's from the main game, the martial artist class. Mm. But then I noticed how, like, uh, Gondor from this, from that fight where you, you go against him, also has those moves as well. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it makes sense. It's like yeah. a family thing. <laughs> it's been passed down. It almost makes me wonder why Monica Van Damme didn't have that kind of moveset, but I'm sure yeah. she has her reasons. I'm still wondering how they ended up Australian, but that's a that's a conversation for another day. But <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a... I think that was poor decision-making, is what I'm going to call it. <laughs> True. But, um, of course, the, the best part of this cutscene, as cool as, you know, fighting Gondor and seeing him, is it's it's um it's the fact that Wheeler, <laughs> Niall, is just shredding it on that keyboard, <laughs> on the piano even, playing Bringer of Chaos Ultimate. <laughs> yeah. Play, play us Bringer of Chaos Ultimate, please, Niall. That, like... Mm. Tomorrow with you! Okay. <laughs> that might almost be delving too far into the fan service, but also, just as it's one-off, I like it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it dips his toes into it and yeah. doesn't go any further. Because exactly. I feel like if it started going super, like, doki-doki, fourth-wall kind of stuff, it would be like... Come on, man! You you ruined it. This is really cool. Like we didn't need to go that far for this series. But the fact that they just mentioned a couple song names it was a little silly, and I like that. They just made it a little silly and didn't go any further. Yeah. <laughs> but um, once we get past that scene and we found out that Glimmer's run off, then comes the hunt to sort of find her. I say hunt. They're not trying to kill her. That sounded a bit too aggressive. But you know what I mean. They're 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 searching for her. <laughs> and we don't we. We sort of don't get too many cutscenes in this section, but I did want to call out one bit where Nicole sort of talks to Matthew about Ouroboros powers, and they kind of, in general, I think this is a good moment to bring up how Ouroboros powers are really interesting in Future Redeemed, because they're not quite as developed as the base game, where you confuse with someone, they're not complete yet, rather you just get these mirage of attacks, and I honestly, I hadn't even considered it, because I was sort of thinking that Future Redeemed would have you know, the six founders, they would fuse in pairs and Ouroboros would be basically the same as it is in the base game. But no, it's just sort of this fraction of the power they're able to use whilst they're still developing it, which is different than I was expecting. It is very interesting, like I was saying before, about the the time zone that they set this in with the city. Mm. And that does also relay to (laughs) the strength of Ouroboros, where, like, very clearly, it's not refined at all. So I like how you go from the beginning where they're not really sure. I mean, there's the bigger Ouroboros thing at the end of the game, but that doesn't really count. Um, but it shows that, like, you know, 
at the end of the story, it's only just beginning with a lot of things, and, and the Euroboros power developing is one of those things. Yeah, definitely. But um, we'll get a bit more into that a little Course bit. credit to Nicole for making that happen. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely get to the Ouroboros powers. They come up a little bit later down the line. But for now, we, get, we, we start to get into the big stuff here because Glimmer is captured by Shulk. We see he's back. He's looking yes. badass. He's he's got a metal arm, which is sick. I mean, <laughs> oh, it's looking great, honestly. Like the design is very sick. Yeah, and just immediately he he feels like Shulk, you know, how he's sort of taking care of Glimmer, how he's able to sort of, you know, he's observant and firm with her, but also still gentle because you know he's Shulk. He's not an aggressive person naturally. <laughs> they, of course, having Adam Halden back helps, but it just immediately is great seeing him in this way where he's clearly Shulk, but he's also matured, and not that Shulk wasn't an adult before, but you can tell the difference, even in subtle ways, which I really like about him. Yeah, I mean, it's as we said in the previous video, he's very much got that Dunban vibe about him now, and I yeah. think that was a very good move. Absolutely. Um, and they do show it here, where Glimmer's like, oh, I had Ouroboros power, what was that? And then just, boom, captured, like, done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these these liberators are pretty strong, so... Yeah, very cool stuff. Also here, I'll mention we meet Panacea, who's um, quite clearly mm -hmm. the child of Sharla and Ryan, which is, I mean, it makes sense that she'd be there. It's kind of, I, I quite liked her character. We didn't yeah. really see much of her, I feel, but um, mm -hmm. it's kind of nice to have that little bit of a legacy, even if throughout the entire game they do play it a bit coy with the references. Like, they're not going to name her parents <laughs> by name, for some reason, like you, you can do it, game, but but we get young. Yeah, idea. They, they were very strangely particular about that. Yeah, and I think it was probably just to like I don't know. I think they just liked teasing again. They just liked being a little silly with it, and that's fair mm. enough because we knew what they were talking about. Yeah, I think that's it. Is that like they don't? Maybe they feel like they they don't want to be too on the nose of just saying the names outright. You know, it, it's kind of a situation of like we know what we're talking about. You know what we're talking about. Let's just connect the dots in our heads. I, it's, I think it's cool. Yeah. And then, um, now, this is sort of when we all come together because Glimmer runs off again. Notice a bit of a, a returning pattern here. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, she, and she ends up trying to contact the Mobius, but, um, yeah, that doesn't go well. He shows up with two Pharonises, lays down the attack, and this is where we get the entire gang together. And who shows up but big boy Chad Rex? I mean... <laughs> but show him a thing or three. Oh, it's uh, I, brilliant. I, it's so good. I almost wish that line wasn't in the trailer, because hearing it for the first time, I would have just freaked out. But I can see why they did it. It's just such a great moment. Mm -hmm. Using the two Aegis swords and the fact he can combine them into one. Rex is back. I mean... <laughs> Oh, I mean, it's just great, because, like, obviously Rex, you know, not everyone's favourite character from Xenoblade 2, but mm. I think one of the main arguments I made from then is, obviously Rex isn't, like, a great, amazing, perfect character person. He's very clearly just like a kid, yeah. <laughs> like in that, you know? But then in this, oh, he's definitely not a kid anymore, let me tell you that right now, like, he's yeah. definitely not. Even, um, of course, there's a So fact. I like how, you know, we're not just seeing, we're not just seeing, like, mm. kid Rex. This is a Rex who knows what he's doing now. Yeah. On top of the determination he has. So, like, it's just a great version of him. Yeah, he's got, like, that optimistic confidence that young Rex has, but 
in a way that it's not overly optimistic because he knows what he can do and he can pull it off damn well. I mean, <laughs> nothing's a threat yeah, to him really. He's as, very measured now. Yeah, he's sort of he's still got that sort of same outlook, and we'll see a bit more of that later on, but in a more subdued way. And I, I you know, I know there's some controversy about changing the voice actor. Who knows if the original wanted to come back or whatever the deal was that was, but I, I, I think mean, after all the hate he got, I, I can't blame him. him for not wanting to yeah. come back if he chose. But it also might just have been maybe it wasn't in his vocal range to do a big gruff Rex voice, you know. But whatever it was, yeah, the new guy does it great. He he doesn't sound exactly like Rex, but he's a lot older and he still feels like Rex when when he gets going, which is you know the the main thing. Mm-hmm. But before we get to the sort of we sort of take a break in the middle of this because again weirdly timed flashbacks for Niel but uh, (laughs) (laughs) this one we sort of get a little look on Niel and Matthew talking about the city and how there's sort of been a 15 year piece from the Mobius and this is sort of where we sort of get into Niel's character a bit more how she kind of likes things peaceful and just wants to leave well enough alone basically let the Mobius do their thing Whereas Matthew's like, you know, we can't let that happen. It's, I find it interesting how they sort of, it's quite clever how they sort of sow these seeds of Niall's sort of philosophy early on in the way that, you know, is understandable and like you can see where she's coming from. And then when you turns out, you know, later on and she comes up as Alpha, you can see why she ends up that way, why she ends up joining him. It's sort of, they sort of slowly tease it up in a way, because this is a short game, really. They don't have a lot of time to really delve into characters yeah. too much. But they use the time they have well to sort of set that up with these flashbacks, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they set Niall's character up very well in these flashbacks where, like you say, you know, they give her a philosophy that at start doesn't sound that bad. You know, she just wants peace. She's like, why should we bother fighting when all it brings is risk? Yeah. Um, but then as that slowly gets more extreme, as prompted by things later down the line in the story, then it becomes sort of the villainous ideal that Mobius has. And it's it's interesting how it's not just her being crazy, hmm. it's just a slippery slope into an idea that ends up being unhealthy but doesn't sound too bad at first. It's a very, like, real kind of thing that can happen... Except, in, you know, in real life, people generally aren't consumed by the soul of an <laughs> omnipotent conduit. But outside of that, like, the thought process is, is yeah. makes sense. And Xenoblade... I think that really, you know, immediately, like you say, it sets up mm. her character well. Yeah, Xenoblade's always been good at having villains that aren't just, you know, black and white. And I'm not even sure I'd really call Niel the villain or such in this. But they, they always have that sort of... No, yeah. You can see where they're coming from, no matter how much of a villain they are. And that's no different here. But uh, let's... Of course, mm-hmm. once this flashback's over, we get the badass moment where Weight of Life comes back and Shulk, Rex, and Matthew all team up to just take oh, down the two Pharonises and the and the Mobius. And God, it's badass! <laughs> this might be one of the highlights of Future Redeemed Total. I mean, yeah. of course, there's like the ending <laughs> and gem crafting, but like outside of those two things. This is this is probably up there as like just one of the best scenes. You know, you've got weight of life playing, like you say. All three of them attacking the Mobius at once is amazing. Yeah. Uh, just that one, that one little clip of it. You know what I'm talking about, where it cuts between them all. Yeah. Oh, it's just amazing. It's so cool. Yeah, they they knew what they were doing. Like this is absolutely a bit of fan service, but done well because it's it's just badass and. 
I even want to give a Loki shout out here because, of course, you know, Shulk, Rex, and that are all pretty good here, but somehow Panacea does like a piercing scream when she fights. It's kind of badass, too, so <laughs> that kind of yeah, took me off guard cool at the first time. Credit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but after that's, after that's sort of done, we, uh, we get to see a different side of Rex, which is interesting because he's, yeah, he's kind of pissed with uh, Glimmer. And understandably so, oh, after she is. ran off for like four <laughs> consecutive times in a row. But I was not expecting to see him immediately recognize, I mean, this is probably my daughter, and then go full-on angry parent mode. But it's it's fascinating that they start us off with this very different side of Rex, whilst also being, again, understandable for his character. Yeah, no, I agree. It's like we were saying earlier, where it's kind of, it's still him, but, you know, he's very clearly grown up now, and I like that they put this here, because it shows you that, you know, yeah. it confirms to you, yeah, he's he's grown, like, it's still him, but he's he's responsible now, so, yeah, good inclusion. It's basically just a parent not knowing what to do with a problem child, as well, really, is the situation, because he... He Pretty talks, much. Yeah, he, he talks about it afterwards with uh, Linka, who of course is here as uh, Zeke and Pandora's daughter, presumably, which is, that's a nice addition. But, um... Yes. It's, he has that sort of moment with her where he's like, was that, yeah, I, I know, I was too, I did, I was in the wrong there, I was a, came out a bit too strong, but, uh, it's sort of yeah. interesting that him reflecting on that, and then we contrast that with, we get one of my favourite scenes in the entire game, to be honest, where Shulk first bonds with Nicole, over like their love of mechanics and it's really fixing cool. his arm and Riku's in the background because of course he yeah. is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is very funny. It's like a just ah oh, look, they're bonding and like they're, you know it's over machines too, which is Shock's whole thing. Yeah, it's cool. what is Riku doing? <laughs> he just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great, but um, it's, it's he doesn't very... even say anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> He says he says a little bit there. He sort of adds that he's the one who worked yeah. on Shulk's arm a bit, but um, it's more well, so. They don't introduce him, you know. No, he's <laughs> not chilling. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get a little bit of the idea of Riku a bit later, but even then, not much. But um, just mm. a nice sort of wholesome scene with their sort of seeing Shulk as a dad, and even after that, we get a little bit with uh, Glimmer and Nicole, seeing a bit of a heart to heart with them, which is nice that they. Because I feel like Limmer and Nicole almost go under the radar a bit in this game at times. Because, yeah. you know, you've got your fan service characters, Shulk and Rex back, you know, your your past ones. And then you've got the, the big new ones, Matthew and A. But it's nice that they still find these little moments between them and their dynamic. Where you sort of see them... When Nicole helps Glimmer feel more comfortable with this all this changing by giving his perspective on things. It's kind of a nice little uh, moment, after, brief moment yeah. of calm after the storm. It is, it is nice, you know, um, it's, uh, one of the biggest strengths of Xenoblade 3 was all of its character interactions through the main story yeah. in place of Heart to Hearts and how they, you know, just let all the characters develop and interact with each other. It was such a good part and, and it's good that they have basically brought it back here. Um, so, of course, that's one of the places we see it. So it, it's nice that they fleshed out those two characters uh, with that. Yeah, and we make our way back to uh, the Liberator's base, which is, uh, of course, Colony 9. We gave more of our thoughts about that in our past discussion. Great to see it back, though. But um, mm. And also, I mean, the man Dylan shows up, so... Uh, Dylan! Best part of the game, yeah, really. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's cool seeing them have this sort of setup where... And to be honest, I still don't know what 100% what the Liberator's deal is. It's... And I, I might as well bring mm. this up now... I know we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but later on, this is 
we don't really get an answer, except one final bit when you talk to Linka, I think it is, when you finish her quest, where she mentions that the liber they were sort of brought here separately from, Mo from you know, the cycle, and they don't know why other than fate. And that's really all it says. Yeah. That's really how we get, but we don't know if the Liberators age, or if they do age, but it's slowly... Or, like, it's all very vague and in the air, and I'm on two minds about that kind of thing, because on the one hand, it, it doesn't <laughs> really answer any questions, but also... It's kind of fun to speculate, and it still tells the story it needs to, but I don't know, what what are you thinking about that sort of vagueness about the Liberators, Kai? Uh, very similarly. Of yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of like, come on, you could have explained it, but at the same mm. time, even if they did explain it, I don't, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it would have changed much. No. And I think that's the thing to remember, is while, you know, lots of people, including myself, really want to know those details so that we have the full picture... Ultimately, whether they age slowly or how they specifically got brought here isn't important to everything else that's going on. No. You know, they, all you need to know is they are here and they were brought here specially and, like, that's it. But it would have been nice if, if we got something somewhere. You know, maybe if they... I mean, they're not going to bring out a future redeemed art book, but, you know, if they did, that kind of thing. It would yeah. be cool. I mean, at the very least, we know that the granddaughter of the curry guy was important enough to the world to be brought over, and that's all that matters. So, oh, I love that. <laughs> clearly, yeah. they were doing something right. <laughs> but, yeah, uh... <laughs> I mean, of course, we've talked a lot about um, Colony Nine in the other video we did. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's just nice to be back here. Like, it, uh, like we said, it feels great, and I like how they take a bit of time to spend the story there. Mm. Um, you know, that is your your base point almost. Um, kind of like Oresco was, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's cool how that, that's where they return to. Um, not much else to say about it, really. It's just no, nice. it sort of tones down for a little bit, but we do get another nice bit of... I, I just like any moment in this game where Shulk and Rex are just having dad talk. It's, it's a really interesting yeah, lens to see all of those cutscenes. Yeah, and there's a really nice heart-to-heart -heart <laughs> with Shulk and Rex here where Rex sort of asks Shulk for advice and he's like, maybe, you know... It's not going to be easy. Maybe she'll come to you. Also, get a Gramps name drop and the and the cheeky mm -hmm. Titan's foot in there. So it's <laughs> all in yeah. all like a really nice scene between them two. It's because I mean we haven't seen Shulk and Rex interact outside of that brief, probably non-canon bit from the Xenoblade Two DLC. You know, so um, yeah, it's kind of nice to see them properly in a in a full story setting. Get to have that dynamic. But, uh, it's a very good point, actually. I suppose yeah. it's not impossible that that's non-canon. Like, in my head, yeah. I, I'd written it off as non-canon as soon as it released, but, like, I guess genuinely, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Shulk and Rex are familiar with each other, mm. but we don't even know if that's just from them fighting the Liberators or if it's from them being in contact from the other worlds. We know the other worlds had contact with each mm. other briefly, so or maybe they did meet with the Nopon Archshade. It's Who knows? <laughs> For my own peace of mind, I'm going to say that's still non-canon. Probably not, but especially I with... can't disprove it if someone says it is. Yeah, I think especially <laughs> with like Elmer there and that it's, but um, who, who knows? Then again, yeah, <laughs> not that we don't get some sure. X things later on, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll get let's, to that. Let's just carry on the main yes. stuff for now. Yes, <laughs> it's got so, so much um, to get through. Flashback, another flashback. We do get a little bit of uh, a Niall flashback again, where we see just just the worst, where like every 
they sent like some people to start a new city, and they're just all dead from uh, yeah. I think it's a Keves colony killing them. And this sort of again building on Nael, what brings her to the point of joining with Alpha is yeah, she's understandably you know mad about this and the fact that she can only see the Keves and Agnes as savages, even though Matthew sees the perspective of it's not their fault, it's still they know. Mm-hmm. I can see when when that happens to you, you're like, what what is the point to a certain extent? And it's uh, sort of seeing the beginning mm. of that downturn for Niall is very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very clear catalyst of how all of this has turned out. And, and like you say, it's kind of understandable when you see all of that destruction, you think, like, there's clearly no point to fighting. Let's just stay inside and... and one thing that I can't remember if I mentioned in the other video is I like how that part of Niall's character carries through her bloodline to the main game. You know, the Doyle line yeah. in the main game. They are all very clearly like against what um, the Lost Numbers do. Mm. So I, I think that's really cool how it carries on. Yeah, definitely sort of continues through the main game. It's, it's always interesting how that... There are so many hints to what Future Redeemed would be just in the background elements of the city, which is neat. But um, then sort of we find out that Niall might, they have a lead on Niall, so they all go down to sort of find out where we head over to Ragnarok Lake, which is nice to see again. And then finally they're like, here you go, have your Alpha, have your A-Law, and Shulk and Rex talk to A, and we get a little bit of details about how she... Well, they, um, I believe it's they, broke off from Ontos, or from Alpha, and how Al- we sort of learned that Origin was built around Ontos's core when Shulk found it in his world, and that sort of the whole thing with Alpha is that Alpha wants, believes that everything here is obsolete, and Alpha wants to create a whole new world, which is kind of, I guess that's kind of what Alvis did before, but obviously with less of an evil undertone, and what do you think about all this sort of... It drops a lot of you at once. Like, there's a, there's a lot to oh, take in. Oh, so, it's um, so much at once. Yeah, it's hard to unpack just yeah. because of how much they give you. Uh, but it's cool, nonetheless. Uh, you know, I, I, it's kind of interesting that that is Alpha's motive and that's what we learn here. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not far off of what we predicted of like, you know, Mm. Alpha is just acting on the orders that he'd been given previously and he almost kind of misinterpreted them. Um, it's, it's super curious. Um, but it, it makes a really interesting dynamic overall because you've got Mobius who want to keep this current world as it is. Yeah, And then Alpha wants to do the opposite of getting rid of this world and anyone who belongs in this world and only take the new people, you know, the city people out of it. So it's interesting how you've got those two sides and then you've got, uh, you know, the, like your liberators in the middle who are like, no, we don't want to, like, we do want to destroy this world, yeah. but we want to destroy it in the sense that we're just going to put everyone back into their own worlds um, no, like it, it's it's such an interesting mm. overlap of three different sides, and I always like when it does that rather than just having a good guys versus bad guys. It's like, no, there's two different bad guys who are also against each other, but against you, and like it, it, it's a whole thing. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting how we sort of like we also learn that that's why they're not fighting Zed and the Mobius. They have a lot of a temporary ceasefire, which Shulk sort of mentions earlier, um, because Alpha's like the bigger mm-hmm. threat. But I do kind of. Yeah, it's all—it's a lot, but it all sort of once you 
think it through, it all kind of it makes sense of things. A lot of the sort of the why the plot begins to make sense here, and how Alpha isn't Alvis, but is kind of like Alvis in the sense of that there the consciousness, with the sort of the conscience, which wasn't there before, but was in Xenoblade One's world because Alvis carried Klaus's regrets. I believe was how they sort of explained mm-hmm. that. But this Alpha yes. is devoid of that. It's just a completely new entity, just a a machine, and it's um. Just seeing all the things like the full Trinity processor stuff being brought into 3, because we didn't really get any of that much in 2. Sorry, in the base game 3 even, sorry. Um, so seeing that in right. Future Redeemed is kind of... It's neat that we're getting into that wider Klaus law stuff a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's very cool, and it's it's interesting uh, how Klaus, of course... It doesn't isn't in this obviously like yeah. you know you get flashbacks and mentions but Klaus himself doesn't appear because Klaus has already done in both games we already know that but it's very cool to see how to close out the trilogy the Klaus saga um, this isn't about him it's about what his legacy has caused up to this point yeah uh, the main thing <clears throat> being Alpha yeah it's it's super interesting. And then that's, of course, when Alpha Niel Fusion shows up. Um, we sort of learn that, of course, yep. that's why Niel joined Alpha was because it sort of carries the same idea of we don't need any of this. We can leave these fighting soldiers behind that are just, a, you know, chaos mm-hmm. on this earth. And I, I just love how Matthew at the start is like, hey, Niel, what's up, mate? <laughs> yeah. He just doesn't get You're it. You're right, oh, yeah. what's with the get up, mate? Yeah. You, going, you going to the party or something? <laughs> You got fancy Halloween or something? Like it's so good how he's it's he's great. just so oblivious, but um, it clicks. <laughs> they fight, yeah. and then N shows up just to add further chaos. And just seeing N mm. and Alpha fight, like that whole bit where like the water sprays up behind them. There's some really cool shots in that, but uh, it's yeah. it's it adds like you say that war that three different factions comes to a head here, and it's it's badass. <laughs> Yeah, it's just really good all-around stuff. Mm. Um, that whole fight is cool, and how you know everything does just get explained to you. It's it's so so chaotic just with all of that. Uh, I was saying throughout the entire thing, I've just got to go watch a Luxin video. Like this yeah. is going to happen <laughs> right now. <Yeah. laughs> um, there's too much chaos. I didn't end up watching a Luxin video. I just sort of slowly thought about it that evening. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's cool that they do give it all to you, and like we said before, it's cool how they don't give it all to you right at the very beginning. They let you think about it for a little bit and work it out, and then they just give you all of that information halfway through so that you know what you're fighting for for the second half of the game. Yeah. And the same thing, interestingly enough, applies to Matthew, where Matthew just didn't know what the deal with A was until this point, because he never bothered to ask like a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> He didn't know where Niall had gone either. He didn't know that Niall was evil or what the deal was with Alpha. <clears throat> and no, you know, Rex and Shulk obviously knew some stuff but hadn't told him. So it's kind of cool how they managed to keep it as the player and the main protagonist to know about the same amount um, yeah. in terms of what's next. Because cool. after, yeah, because after this bit where we sort of Matthew sees like who N is as well, sees N's true identity and sort of that adds another layer to sort of his dynamic of how does he feel about fighting Mobius in general, which is goes to places a little bit later. But then after sort of Alpha mm-hmm. backs off and to Origin, where we see Origin again, that's when we get sort of Shulk and Rex like, okay, we, we, we'll, we'll bring you up to speed now. 
and we get like these yeah. little flashbacks of Xenoblade 1 and 2, which is just nice to see. It's just nice to see those little clips and see them yeah. all to get brought together with Shulk and Rex explaining it. It's it's just nostalgia, really, is the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was also made, possibly put there on the off chance that someone is playing this before playing those games. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, don't <laughs> play this before playing Xenoblade 1, yeah. 2, and 3. Exactly. That's, like one of, that's probably the only real downside to Future Redeemed, is mm. that it requires you to play three other games to know what's going on, but... I guess this does something for those players. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's cool that they do bring it up to speed, and, of course, having to see the cutscenes is, is just nice. Yeah, and then we sort of, we get sort of where our goal is. They're all united in, we're going to go to Prison Island to go to Origin and take down Alpha, basically, is the gist of it, and hopefully free an IL. Yeah. But we do sort of get a little bit of a side quest before that, um, particularly one with Nicole and Glimmer, where we sort of see them... Unlocking the Ouroboros power, and we sort of talked a bit about this earlier, so I won't delve too much, but it's that sort of concept that it's still evolving. They don't quite know how Ouroboros powers work fully yet, or how to unlock the full power. Yeah. But it's cool to see like the Ouroboros stone given to them by Nia, which Rex mentions, and how they sort mm -hmm. of are slowly... We see them make an advancement with it, and we see that by an Agnes and Kevis soldier together, they start to unlock a bit of the power that's going to become for the main cast in the main game. So it's cool to see that develop and sort of give a tease of that. Yeah, it's like we said before, isn't it? Like, it's just cool to see that this is the start of that growth. Yeah. Uh, and then, then being Shulk and Rex is funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, you know, Shulk and Rex are old now and, and these are the new kids on the block. So, yeah, sure, whatever. Looks like the student finally surpassed the teacher, you know. <laughs> Dixon! <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, it's um, fine. We said we were going to have spoilers for the whole series. We're allowed to talk about these oh, things. Oh, yeah. It's safe. We're, we're, <laughs> this is a spoiler safe zone. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, no, also, no, no. The opposite. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Spoilers are welcome <laughs> here, I suppose, is what I meant by that. But <laughs> Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Rex, we get like another... Rex and Glimmer get their sort of heart-to-heart, -heart, like Shulk and Nicole got earlier. And all I'll say about this scene is it's nice... But when, when Rex was talking about smiling, it's such a Rex moment, and it's nice as well, but I hoped he was going to quote the Salvager Code. I really thought he was going yeah, to, yeah. and he didn't, and I'm disappointed, but it's still a nice scene. <laughs> mm. He should have. I mean, like we've said, it's kind of similar to the main game, but Xenoblade yeah. 1 got a lot of love in Xenoblade 3, and Xenoblade 2 did as well, but kind of felt less so in a lot of ways, you know, yeah. such as in area depth. <laughs> And and it kind of carries over here. It's like, we got gem crafting from Xenoblade 1 as a whole thing. There should have been a quest dedicated to... You know, there, there was a whole, like, Cloud Sea quest. Yeah. We should have instead got a Salvager's Code quest. Like, that would have been amazing. Yeah. Give us number five. Like, they should have. They should have. If only. We can dream. But uh, <laughs> still a nice moment between yeah. them. And... There's not too much story as we sort of head up towards Prison Island, but I do want to mention two things of Matthew. First of all, the fact that he actually oversleeps for the night and they set up the joke, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple and yeah. dumb. It's just like, okay. But it's so Matthew, so it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a great moment. And also the fact we teased earlier where when they get to uh, the, the, the Black Mountains, which is an awesome area, by the way, one of the best snow areas, it's... Mm -hmm. uh, very cool, but the fact that he just he, he just didn't know who A was 
because he never fought to ask. Is that's literally it? Yeah. But, <laughs> best reasoning. Yeah, because it it also kind of has like a story thing as well, where like now he's a bit unsure about A. Understandably, he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. This is all a lot for him. When he he's really just in this to save Niall. He even says earlier he doesn't yeah. care too much about the the whole state of the world. He'll leave that to Shulk and Rex. But um, of course, he wouldn't even think to ask who A was. He's like, yeah, they're probably just from the city. Let's assume that. <laughs> Yeah, but um, it's 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 a very interesting one that they throw in there. I feel like it's they throw it in almost too late for it to be developed, unfortunately. Yeah. But you know, again, this is a short story; not much you can do, so it's whatever. And I guess, yeah, it, it's fine. Speaking of throwing things in there, we part way up, we do get a little look that Riku's holding on to Lucky Seven still. And if we, mm-hmm. if you then after that go and talk to Riku, um. You, f- you find out that he he sort of reveals that his master pawn, who was teased in the base game, is in fact Melia, and that he is the kid of one of her travelling companions who people were sort of up in the air on whether it's Ricky or whether it's Kino, but uh, still, that that's like one question answered about Riku out of the 1,000 we have left, but it's still <laughs> nice to hear. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, people kind of figured out that, like, Riku was the seventh founder and he had, you know, this thing with Melia where they both made Lucky Seven, so... Yeah. You know, everyone... Not everyone. A lot of people kind of figured that out slowly. Um, But I'm glad that, of course, they did basically confirm all of that here. And then adding in the whole thing of uh, being Ricky or Kino's son is also very nice because then it's like oh everyone from from the game gets representation uh, yeah. in the character it's very cool but i will look forward to just f- until we get the next xenoblade game every other day there will be someone posting about what is the deal with riku it's it's just the, it's the main question i think that is lingering from all of xenoblade now <laughs> but uh, it really is I, I i kind of love it in that way i'm i'm almost glad they didn't answer it fully yeah but then when we get to, when we actually progress the story here and you get to Prison Island, you just get a big badass fight with N and it, it just kind of gives me vibes of like the Malos fight in Torna, where like they're all fighting at him from different angles and he's fending them all off. It's really great choreography. Yeah. And little little bits like how Shulk protects Nicole and Rex and Glimmer do like the same attack he does with Pyra at the start of that game. It's it's just such a cool moment between them, just an, a cool action sequence basically. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, of course, there aren't many opportunities to show a lot of that fighting in this with how few, you know, battle scenes there are with it being a short game. But they, they whenever they had the opportunity, they took it. And this was their best opportunity. So, uh, yeah, it was very cool to see all the different moves they pulled off here. Definitely. And then just also, like, I know I'm maybe skipping ahead a slight bit, but where, where Matthew just punches him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's your weapon. That's your weapon, man. Go for it. Do it. <laughs> Might as well, yeah. He, he he can throw a punch, that's for sure. And uh, N just takes it. Like, yeah, I deserve yeah. it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> but I guess sort of what that scene ties to is we get like a big flashback where we actually see what happens at the city. We sort of get the full scene where Gondor, you know, shows up and confronts... Well, N shows up and confronts Gondor, where we see A, uh, sorry, Alpha possessing Niel, sort of trying to bring the citizens of the city into that creepy circle that looks like some sort of cult. It's terrifying. But uh, (laughs) that entire sequence is just really neat. We sort of gathered the gist of it, began to see the full sequence play out. 
And especially when you like, even just a little glimpse of M we see afterwards to tie it back to the main game and she shows up afterwards. It's just, yeah, great to sort of get the answers for real. Yeah, it's nice that they just paint the full picture just to be very clear about it all. And it's very jarring how you play as Niall during that because like, it's she's very clearly not the good guy here. Like, yeah. <laughs> she's, she's already, you know, being controlled at this point and... It's it's very it's like huh I don't really I'm not cheering for either of these people, uh, mm. really. But sure, uh, and it was at that exact point where I was like, huh, it feels like Niall should have been a playable character. They made her a whole thing yeah. to play as her. It is uh, weird, you know. Cue later on where she does become playable in post game weirdly. <laughs> kind um, of. <laughs> you know, I'm cool with it. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, kind of as a hero. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a very jarring sequence there, and I remember spending that whole thing being like, oh, let me look around, because they designed like a whole city mm. area for this. And there's not really too much to gather from it, but it's cool that they made it nonetheless. Yeah, and I just really like seeing that moment between Gondor and En. Like, it's just cool seeing them interact, and seeing he's sort of... Gondor's realisation about what's happened to his dad, and it's... It's, I, I almost wish we saw more of Gondor. I think there wasn't really time for it in the story we were telling. Mm. But what we do get of him is really great. Yeah. And, and I like that at the end. He like, I'm not even sure what was he doing. Was he trying to? Was he was when he jumps to Niall? Was he was that move that freed A from Alpha? I'm guessing with the Ouroboros powers. Like, I'm not sure. Uh, oh, good point. I was kind of thinking he was just sacrificing himself, obviously, to save Niall. That's why he jumped in the way of it. Yeah. And I'm assuming his Ouroboros power, or like whatever that power was he unleashed, saved anyone that was in the city. Yeah. Like, in some form, from the explosions. You know, that's why how the city <coughs> survivors have ended up scattered. That's all I can really guess. But, yeah, it is mm. a bit vague, and I didn't even think about the facts that that could be how A came yeah. to exist. That'd be kind of interesting as if it was. I need to brush it Went out like more. a badass at the very least. But after after that, uh, yeah, absolutely. after that, things just get crazy because they get sucked into Origin and, okay, suddenly we're in the real world. Just, just a housing estate. And Christ! <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> We're in like Idaho or something. It's like what is going on? It's, I... And then you look over the edge. Huh? That looks like New LA. Like we well, know just because it's a city. It's the only yeah. like, you know modern city. And I mean, and again. you see the beanstalk, and it's. But that would be crazy because this isn't. This isn't. Yeah, this isn't like a Xenoblade X series. <laughs> so that that would be crazy if Xenoblade oh, X got only, referenced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then it it's just. Yeah. Matt, I love that this game. Like I mentioned earlier. Free keeps it relatively tame in the regards to like the Klaus and the Rider stuff. So the fact that this game has that moment, you know, like when you first see the planets in Xenoblade 1 and the space station, or in Xenoblade 2 when you first get the flashback to Klaus in the beginning of Chapter 10, it's cool to see Xenoblade 3 get that moment in Future Redeemed, where you're just like, what is happening here? This is mental. And it's... Yeah. It, it's, it's just neat, yeah. It, <laughs> it just throws you for a loop. I think my favourite my favorite part of that all is that the characters got to actually see yeah. themselves too. It wasn't just like the player, I guess. Like, Shulk and Rex were like, huh, so this was Klaus's old world. And it's kind of cool to see them get closure. Mm -hmm. It is. And we, we then sort of 
confront Niel at that sort of at the piano. And I mean, let's be real here. Before we get to that, everyone here was just paying attention to the radio that was going on, the damn radio, which is named. Yep. I don't have it all listed <laughs> out. I don't re- remember or know all the stuff, but it's name dropping characters from stuff like Xenogears and Xenosaga, I think, and Xenoblade X. It's it's like just name dropping all these sorts of weird previous Xenoblade or Xeno stuff, not even Xenoblade. And I don't know enough to make sense of it, but hot damn. <laughs> yeah, it's just amazing. Like, the, the fact that they tie in both X and, like, Gears and Saga yeah. as well. Like, the fact that they just bring all that in the end is like, we didn't think anything would top all the crazy stuff happening at the end of the first two games, especially since Xenoblade 3 didn't really do it. Um, and then they just did it here, like everything about that last yeah. sequence, it was incredible and, uh, you know, it was just very cool to see them do that because it, obviously it doesn't have any impact on it much else and like, it wasn't like they had to suffer any sort of consequences as a result of mentioning them, it's quite literally the end of the final game of yeah. the trilogy, but... It's cool that they did it, you know, it, it doesn't even feel like it was an unnecessary reference either, they made it fit. So, you know, respect. Yeah, it's definitely well. nice to hear those sort of shout-outs, even if I can't comprehend anything from Xeno, Gears and Saga. Maybe one day they'll release them on the Switch or something, but yeah. um, I like that it's there. And if <laughs> if anyone was able to pay attention to what Nail was saying in the midst of that, which a few people might have been, uh, it's this is sort of like the culmination where we see her, you know, this is paradise to her, like this is the world she wants. But I love how that sort of, it, mm-hmm. it ties it in with like the whole Klaus saga when A's like, yeah, this is the world you want, but did, do you know what happened to that world? And then the storm comes and we see it begin to look mm. like Morifer from Xenoblade 2. And it's like, yeah, this place doesn't go well when you go down that road. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool to see all of that happen. Like they, they do start going into what happened and like, yeah, human <laughs> bad. True. <laughs> I don't know, it's pretty cool how they play all of that out. It's it's it pretty is. neat. And just as just as sort of Matthew and they are explaining that to Niall and it you might get through to her, of course, it's time for Alpha to show up. Okay, big bad Alvis here. Yep. Looking great, because we get our first proper look at like his or their model here. And just with like the wings of yes. Zanza, like you said before, and everything it's just so immediately intimidating. The the Zanza-esque music the way sort of the the world shapes around afterwards and becomes all blurry and like this yellow tinge, it's it's just intimidating. Like this is this is a way to do like a final boss for the series. It's it's tense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Once again, it really sort of does well for the uh, Xenoblade One fans because it's very 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 reminiscent of that yeah. final boss with Zanza. You know, where obviously Alpha has the wings and the background looks quite similar and that. But even still, like, it does come into its own as a very mm. cool thing. Uh, of course, Alpha's just having the Monado. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, what you do with that yeah. thing there? You know, which way are you swinging that thing, buddy? But um, it, overall, it's just like a very cool fight. It's a very cool thing to finally see Alpha in the flesh because this is the first time that most of the cast do, aside from Shulk and Rex. So. Yeah. It's a neat point where it's like, oh god, he's here. <laughs> yeah, like, I I don't mind this different take on Alvis, where like it is Alvis but heartless, and like all the delivery from the lines, it's it's like familiar but also in an eerie way because it's kind of terrifying, especially when later on, of course, first of all, N shows up, which is badass to help you fight, which is that's just cool yeah. getting to fight with N. 
But then Alpha turns into like their ultimate form, which is just some, you know, like biblically accurate angel monstrosity. And it's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great though. Like it's very Xenoblade. <laughs> Oh, it's super cool, yeah. Yeah. I think I've even heard people say it looks more like something from Xenosaga that like I, not that I know the have the knowledge to back that up. Oh, but, every um, Xenosaga fan says Xenoblade that's stuff true. is like Xenosaga. <laughs> that's that's nothing new. But it, to be fair, it is pretty crazy and I I'm not saying that they are wrong. Yeah. Uh, at all. <laughs> it's it's just Yeah, no, it's 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 a very cool fight overall and that boss, oh my god, it's it's just nuts, isn't it, that design. <laughs> yeah, the music's going, everyone's fighting together with Niel there and end uh, fighting with you. It all just ramps up and it's it's like it can destroy you if you're not it has like basically a one hit kill move, you know, if you're not careful. So uh Yeah. Dead, dead, of course we're not going to gameplay here, but very tense fight. And once you beat mm. it, then we just get the mega crazy Ouroboros. <laughs> Everyone fuses together. It's God, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's it's cool because I, I can't remember if it was you or Sam, but one of you mentioned like, or, or maybe it was me. I don't know. I don't think it was one me. One of us least. mentioned about how maybe at the end of Xenoblade Three that they were going to all fuse into one big Ouroboros, mm. and I think that was a theory a lot of people had because it just kind of makes sense that they were going to do like a Power Rangers style. Yeah, everyone fuses together when there's a fusion type thing in the game. So I was kind of surprised when it didn't happen. And then they did it here, and it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, fair enough. Cool. Like, you know, it's not a bad thing. It was somewhat expected to happen eventually, but it's a good that way... doesn't make it any less cool. Yeah, it's a good way to sort of do that whole, they haven't got, like, Ouroboros powers as we know it, but they're able to do something just to, you know, power and friendship and power friendship and whatever, but they're able to make some powerful attack happen regardless, and it's sort of something we haven't yeah, seen in the main game. It, yeah, yeah. And also, just mm. I have to mention before where we see like the um, Pyra's or I guess Numa's core crystal on Vantham's gloves. And look, if we were to discuss what that means and the significance of that, we would be here for another bloody hour because no one's quite sure. Yeah. But the general idea I get because they also they like linger on N sword, and people think that might, that might have to do with Logos. And the best mm. I can gather is that N sword and Matthew's gloves are made with Origin, we know, and maybe and Origin contains the memories of people. So maybe Matthew's Origin gloves contain, you know, Numa's memories, and the same for the Sword of the End containing Malices or Logoses, perhaps. That's kind of the best I've got. Yeah. But it's fascinating that this late in the game they set up something crazy like that that doesn't really have exact payoff. That it doesn't explain itself at all. You're just like, yes, yeah, speculate, nerds. It's... <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, and I guess to add to that, I, I don't really know a lot about that side of things, I've not looked into those theories, mm. but the one thing I would like to add is that Matthew's default arts are Agnian, they're the diamond ones, so, yeah. you know, possibly suggesting like he's oriented to that side of the worlds. Uh, there's there's more to gather there, but we're not the ones to discuss all of no. that, I don't think we have the time to go into we detail don't, on but, it. but um, it's fascinating, and I like... Even though it's kind of like, okay, what does that mean? Mm. I like that they set up these mysteries just for people to think about afterwards, even if we never get an answer. Like, it's yes. neat. Um, yeah, that's it just cool seeing the crystal again. But you take down, you know, you do it, you take down uh, Alpha, Matthew Icy's sort of final words with him where he's as nonchalant as ever. And mm -hmm. then we get 
I think we all knew it was probably coming, but Shulk and Rex and they all sacrificed themselves to keep Origin going without Alpha there. And even though, like, I knew, like, they, they aren't there later on. We know something happens to them, probably. It still got yeah. me. It's still sad seeing them have their last moments with their kids and mm-hmm. just that sort of, that, that, where they're both at that level of maturity where they've just accepted it and they're ready to, you know, sacrifice themselves. But also they're optimistic that this isn't the end. We'll see you again. It, it's just so Xenoblade. It's the best way I can put it, really. Has yeah, to have that it was very emotional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I, yeah, I didn't feel sad during it at all, though. And maybe mm. it was because I was streaming it and that sort of sort of thing happens. But I, I, I sort of was leaning much more towards that optimistic side where I was like, well, we know in the main game that it ends up all working out. So, like, yeah. there was that kind of side of me that was like, you know, I guess it's fine in that sense. But then it was also when they mentioned, like, we're not, you know, they didn't, they didn't die. <laughs> Like, yeah. they're just, you know, basically going dormant for a while to, to power Origin. And it's like, you know, they're not dying. They're not they're not going to be permanently gone. And it's not mm. super sad in my eyes. It's just no. like, you know, they're just having a little sleep for a while. And you know what? They deserve it. They yeah. did a good job. This so, isn't... Um, it, for me, it was a very feel-good moment, strangely enough. Well, I think you're right. Because ultimately, this isn't, you know, this isn't Torna. This isn't some big tragedy that's going to leave you crying for a week afterwards. Where... Because I, I almost thought it would yeah, be. Yeah, that because, was miserable. Yeah, because I was like, okay. Yeah, I did Shulk, write that. <laughs> yeah, same. Because Shulk and Rex aren't there in the main, aren't, aren't, aren't sort of there in the main game. And we know that the Centomini region isn't there in the main game. So I was like, are we going to get some torn tragedy happen? But no, mm-hmm. it's sort of like, it's solemn, but it's like a it's like a hopeful solemnness. Like, so it's not, Yes. it's a little yeah. sad in that sense, but it's not like miserable. It's still like, I was... It's like a positive sadness in a weird sense, and it's I kind of like that. It's not just a torn of tragedy, but it's hopeful for the future. So uh, I think they sort of did a a good job with that. And then yeah, and I think that that sums up like the end of the trilogy very well as yeah. well. I feel like you know, Torna is just sad, full stop. But this is like you know, it's the end of the trilogy, and it's sad that that's the case. But you know, it also kind of feels good in a sense. It's it's like you know, mm. it's rounded out. It's nice. Yeah, and then we we get. Or we get the answer to Origin crashing into Centomnia region, which is what happens to it, and that ends crashing up down... Crashing the Origin into <laughs> Centomnia region. How long How have you long been, have in, the been in the Force? <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> if only we got... Look, if the Curry Girl could get in here, the descendant of Colonel Vanguard should have been as well, I'm just saying. But, uh... Well... I mean, no, well, hey, 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 hey. Vanguard is there based on the Van Damme line. That's like, Matthew true. is literally... <laughs> I, you know, obviously, maybe not specifically, but like, in in essence, Matthew <laughs> in essence, is yeah. <laughs> Colonel Vanguard's heritage, and I am sticking that truthfully into my guns. That's canon. Got it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that does it is. that sort of ends up why Origin is in the ocean in the main game. So that sort of ties all that together, and then we get some last sort of moment with Matthew talking with N. He sort of like says, "All right." You you can go from now. I'm gonna punch you in the face again at some point, and you'll come round eventually. And it's sort of that nice sort of <laughs> tease up to the main game, you know, where he says like, "Maybe something will change. Maybe it'll even be you." Which yeah, it is because Noah and connections. Mm. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's sort of it adds to the previous vibes, definitely. Yeah, like we don't get, and I almost I don't think they needed it, but I almost missed a little bit of like what Torna does, where like you see 
the like the ship sleeping and then it ends on Rex finding Pyra. Like I almost thought it would end in a similar way and it doesn't quite, but I still like what they do with it in those little teasers there. And our last shot really, our last bit is is Matthew Vandom's out of here. He's leaving on his adventure, mm-hmm. which we heard about in the statues even. And they're just rebuilding a new city in the uh Cadencia region, like the main game. So it's sort of like a yeah. quite a simple ending really, but sort of just tying things together and leaving a bit vague on what happens to, to Matthew in the end. But that's Yeah, I mean it makes sense with what yeah. happens and, and I like how of course all that stuff at the end is so much crazy stuff. Yes. That you're gonna be focusing on that and the trilogy as a whole. But I do like how it does just end the story with Matthew Van Damme's out with here, who yeah. is such a good protagonist. Like, of he course, is. it's a short story, but he is so likable. Like, it's not your traditional protagonist for a lot of reasons, and he was just so good, like we talked about in the previous video. So I like how rather than going with the trilogy route, which is what they do in the credits, mm. here they're like, no, 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 let's focus on our main character for a second. It's it's pretty cool. I agree. And just can, can I just um, have you saying out loud, Kai, that Matthew is really likable? Can you just say that? I just need that in official recording mm. capacity, you know. But let it be known. Matthew Van Damme. Oh, damn That's it. Very likeable. <laughs> changing my name right now. I'm changing my surname. But <laughs> <laughs> but then, if, if you were waiting for that crazy end stuff, it's subtle, but we do see what appears to be the world splitting apart, like at the end of 3, but then them merging again. Our confirmation that they do merge, that Noah and Mio will find each other again, and then some light appearing, which people are freaking out of. It's Cosmos, it's something, who knows? Yeah. Maybe it's not. It's kind of nice getting that confirmation that, yeah, Mio and Noah meet again, the world's fuse in some capacity, but also leaving it open. I like, I like that we get that confirmation, but the real question is, what does, I guess we'll briefly touch upon this. We're getting sort of close to time here, but what does that mean for the end? Like, is that a tease for Xenoblade 4? Or is that just like a, again, another speculate on this nerd's moment? Like, <laughs> Yeah. People have obviously said it's a Cosmos reference. Yeah. Um, so maybe it is just a reference. Maybe it is an illusion. You know, maybe they're saying like, oh, you know, look, look out for a remake in the future of a mm. certain beloved game. Um, it could be anything like that. But I honestly, it's the kind of thing where I almost... <laughs> I almost don't want to think about it, you know? Yeah. Like, I almost want to just let them do their thing for a while and mm. and come back to it. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, like, we, we could do a whole own discussion on this, but and we've sort of done it in a little bit. Like, I, I don't think our thoughts have changed much since our last What's the Future of Xenoblade discussion. Like, I think our, this doesn't really change anything significantly. Yes. But, um, like, Xenoblade 4, like, this, it could continue the story in the new world, like... Because this is meant to be the wrapping up the Klaus saga, but with the worlds combining, you know, Klaus splitting them apart and they combine, that is the end of the Klaus saga. So Xenoblade 4, which I feel like is gonna happen because it's such a big name at this point, like it could be in that new world, but even if it is, I feel like it's gonna be vaguely connected. I don't think it's going to have like Noah and Mio showing up as the main characters. I don't think we're gonna get that level of connections, but to be honest, like you say, I. I kind of don't want to speculate at this moment. I'm just, I trust Monolith Soft completely at this point, and I'm on board for yeah. the ride no matter what they do next. Like, if this is teasing something or if it isn't, 
I'm cool either way. I just want to play more Monolith Soft games, is really it, so... <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, they're, they're doing such a good job, and the main, like we said in that Future of Xenoblade video, I think Warriors has got to be next, man. Yeah. Like, surely... <laughs> that, uh, you know, there's potential for, like, another X game in the series, there is potential for another mainline, there's all of that, so mm. it's just a matter of seeing what they choose and what they do. Yeah. Um, I would like to add is that in the credits, the credits were amazing with showing, like, they basically just recapped all three games. Yes. Uh, through yeah. those cutscenes and everything, showing some of the artwork and bits, and, like, that was really cool, that was really heartfelt. Um, bringing back the, the old singer... Obviously, mm. Joan Hogg, I believe her name was. Yeah. Um, you know, very neat, because I, I only mention it because if not, someone like Carl would mention it in the comments. Um, so, yeah, obviously that was really cool. Um, so overall, it just was a very nice end to the series. and Yeah. It's a nice feeling that although the series is over, like, very clearly there's going to be something else cooking, but at the same time, this is a closed book. Yes, it's it's definitely like, I mean, just to give like general final thoughts. I mean, Future Redeemed is great. It gets that lev that higher level of fan service and connections to like the cloud stuff that Free didn't, which I don't think Free needed. But like, I'm glad. I think they made the right decision by putting that here in Future Redeemed and making that what Future Redeemed is. But it also still stands yes. on its own legs with you know like Matthew being a great protagonist, like arguably the best one even. Like he's generally a contender. So they, mm. they just really knocked it out of the park. And although, like, they definitely, like, they still leave some questions open. I don't think they wrap things up quite as neatly as I thought they might, in the sense of some stuff is still vague. But I don't think they needed to either. They just told a great story, and they finished the Cloud Saga in a way that, you know, still leaves me thinking, this is one of the best series of video games ever released. It, it still is. And it ended in... The great way to continue that so yeah <laughs> yeah i agree like that's just all in all game good game very good yes couldn't couldn't have asked for much story better. good i guess for this specific video <laughs> yes story <laughs> and yeah that's that pretty much is it for our discussion and our xenoblade future redeemed talk so thank you so much guys for listening to all of this of course you can stay tuned to bunch of jokers because we're gonna have more content coming out we've got a regular monthly podcasts We'll probably be talking a bit on Tears of the Kingdom when we both finish that, but you know that's a that's a long haul kind of game. So, <laughs> and uh, other discussions as well. Like I'm I'm sure it's quite possible we'll come back to Xenoblade at some point. You know, we're we're called bunch of jokers for a reason. We're not going to drop the talk <laughs> just because Future Redeemed is over. So uh, yeah. yeah, we are we sort of have to keep it going. It's our brand at this point. We don't have a choice. Exactly. It's uh, <laughs> Sam's making us do it, but. Um, Actually, no, now he's making us do Mario Kart content, but it'll be back to Xenoblade at some point. But, uh, yes. <laughs> but yeah, stay tuned to all of that here on Bunch of Jokers on YouTube, or you can get audio-only versions on podcasting sites such as Spotify, so all under the name Bunch of Jokers. Go check those out. And Kai, where else can people find you at? Uh, they can find me on my... Well, I've got my YouTube. Um, mm. uh, YouTube, Faskarion, it's linked and everything. Um, yeah, my full Future Redeemed experience, which I live-streamed and got the highlights from, is all on that channel. So if you've, for some reason, watched all the way to the end of this and want to see my thoughts live, because I kind of expand upon them there, then that is all there, and my reactions to it all, and that that's all there. 
Yeah. Um, on Twitch, I'm also streaming as well. Uh, I'm just doing... Well, I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing yet, so I won't confirm any games. But, um, you know, I'm over on there too, and I'm, I'm always happy to kind of talk about it. So, yeah, yeah that's be, about it from me. Yeah, there'll be links to those in the description below, so do check those out. As well as a link to our friend Sam, who's our graphic designer, who makes our logo, the thumbnails, and a bunch of shorts for us as well. So thank you once again, Sam. And... That's well, it here's the, the best part. Oh, yeah. He's not even he's not even uh, played Future Redeemed yet. <laughs> he's on chapter five of the main game. So if you have watched this far, comment. Come on, Sam, hurry up. Yeah, make make, make him do it. Get it trending. Hashtag Sam finish bloody Xenoblade. But uh, <laughs> one day, do it. one day. But yeah, until then, we will see you guys in the next video. Goodbye. Bye.